Good evening. Is everybody ready for Christmas? <laughs> Jesse, you got your shopping done? <laughs> Is that Christine's department? <laughs> well, last week we got into a, a topic of learning uh, from the life of Mary. And uh, we, we talked about how Mary allowed her whole life to be shifted and changed and molded for God's purpose and his assignment for her. And she, she was willing to allow God to speak an assignment into her life. And she was willing to receive the assignment, to receive uh, what it was that God was commissioning her to do. And that wasn't just something, you know, like it, it, it caused a, a, you know, a shift for a couple of days. This was a lifelong assignment. And so Mary was obedient. She was willing to take that on and to adjust herself, her life, and everything that, that she needed to do in order to make that happen and see that through. And so we, we focused on that. We focused on some of the things that Mary would have faced, the difficulties, uh, just because many times we, we look at the, the Bible heroes and we think, oh, yeah, it's just easy for them. You know, they just automatically walk in faith. No, they have to walk these things out, too. They had to uh, look at the same difficulties, the same hurdles, the same obstacles, the same negativity, the same people speaking discouragement or accusation or whatever it may be. They still had to deal with the same things and overcome and choose God's word over their circumstances. And so we talked a little bit about that. We talked about how she was called blessed and highly favored and how even in being blessed and highly favored doesn't always uh, look like what we think it's going to look like sometimes. Even though blessed and highly favored, many times we think, well, that means material things. But God had called her blessed and highly favored among women. But I'm sure at times, and of course we know that Jesus was favored, and he was blessed. But going to the cross doesn't always feel like a blessing at the moment. But we have to set our eyes upon the prize and upon the commission, the assignment. What's the ultimate goal in that? Because going through that, that's not the end. That's the, the avenue to get to the end and what the goal is. And if we don't have our eyes set upon the goal and the prize of what the purpose is, we can very easily lose sight of, of what we're doing and what we're committing ourselves to and be swayed. So we talked about uh, how she allowed her life to be changed uh, by her assignment. She received that assignment. And of course, we talked about the purpose uh, and honor gets strength from within, not from without, not from uh, around you. Honor comes, honoring the word of God, honoring him, honoring you comes from within and comes from you determining that you're going to stick this out for the glory of God, not for man, not for the praise of men. So that was uh, number one. That was uh, what we went through with Mary uh, last week. And tonight I want to extend it a little further, but I want you to turn to the same passage to Luke 1, and we're going to read uh, through the same passage again this week just to refresh, and we're going to pick up with the next point. 
Luke 1, 26. Father, I thank you that you anoint your word for a purpose and for an assignment on every person's heart tonight. I pray, Father, that you would uh, bring to remembrance and bring to my knowledge the things that you once spoken this evening. Father, that you would you would speak through me, that you would use me tonight to be able to, to uh, capture your thoughts, your, your understanding, and your wisdom, to be able to impart into people's lives a lasting effect, Father, that every word that is spoken, that your word would take root and bear fruit in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Luke 126. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and, he, and shall call, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And now this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, First of all, I want to I want to go through uh, a couple of pieces here. We we see where she says, "Yes, let it be done to me according to your word, not according to the situation, not according to what I think, not according to any fear or any doubt, but what your word says, let it be done to me." But even before that, she doesn't she doesn't understand uh, exactly how this is going to happen. And she responds by saying, how will this be? How will this be? Now, if you know the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and, and you know uh, how he was in the, in the temple and the angel came to him and told him, you're going to have a, a son and he's going to be the forerunner of Jesus Christ and, and gives this long spill of, of the son that they're going to have the, and, and that his wife, even in her old age, is going to have a child. And, and Zechariah responds and says, how do I know this is really going to happen? Now, that's very different than how Mary responded because Mary's asking, how will this be? Because I, I, I don't know a man. I haven't known a man in that way. 
so she was a virgin. But he's asking a very different question. And it's interesting because the angel, Gabriel, that stood before uh, Zacharias said, I am the angel Gabriel, and I have come with this message. And it's like, is this not enough that you're receiving a visitation from an angel and you're asking if this is really true or not? I mean, how many of us have had angelic visitations? It's not happening all the time, right? But Zachariah receives an angelic visitation and he's like, yeah, but how do I really know that this is going to happen? I mean, I know you're like an angel and all, and you're, you know, nine foot, whatever, 13 foot, something like that. You're big. You're, you're uh, bringing this message straight from the throne room of God. But how do I really know that this is going to happen? And the angel wasn't too pleased, and he said, you're going to be mute from here on out until the child's born. So now you can't talk because your speech is not lined up with, I'm paraphrasing, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of putting my two cents in there. But because it's like he's saying, you're, you're not, your speech is not lined up with what I just told you. And we need this to happen in order for the prophecies to come forth. So we're just going to zip you shut for the next few months so this can come to pass and you're not going to void it. You're not going to null it. And so uh, Zachariah is void of his speech. He is mute. But Mary has a different attitude. She says, how is it going to happen? I'm not doubting that it will happen. I'm just asking, how does it happen? Do you need me to do something? Am, am I required of something? Because I do not know a man. I have not been with a man. So how is this going to come to pass? And so the angel says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. So it's not going to require anything of you, Mary. The Holy Spirit is going to, to do this work in you, and you shall conceive a son miraculously. He will be the son of the Most High. And so Mary says, let it be done to me according to your word. So even in these this a uh, few responses that we see from Mary. First of all, she destroyed all fear and all doubt. She didn't say, yeah, but how do I really know this is going to happen like Zechariah did? She said, how will this come, to come into being? How will this come to play? And so she destroyed all fear. She destroyed all doubt. And she aligned herself with what God said. She aligned herself with his word. And then she said, let it be done according to your word to me. How many times, and of course, that makes, you know, we, we look at that and go, yay, that's awesome, yes. But what, what's that have to do with me? How many times do we read the word of God, hear the word of God, and then say, and respond to it and say, let it be done to me according to your word? How many times do we read the word of God and take that word of God and say, yes, let that word be done unto me? I'm not saying you have to say it specifically like that. But are you lining yourself up with that word? Or are you sitting there going, yeah, how do I know that's going to happen? Yeah, I, how do I know that that's really uh, my portion? How do I know God sent his word? This word is for you. 
This is the, if, if this didn't make any difference, God would not have compiled and sent men to write these things down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the very word of God, to be sent to us so that we would know what was our inheritance and how to frame our lives. And so when we read the word of God, take, for example, even Psalms 91. It's a common passage that, that many people I'm going to turn there uh, real quick. But many people talk about Psalms 91. But when we read it, because it is a, it is a passage of protection. It's a passage of health. It's a passage of life. It's a passage of being uh, shielded from evil all of our days. In fact, it even talks about long, with long life, I shall satisfy them. Who? Those that love God. Those that obey his commandments. Those that hide in the, sh in the shadow of his word. In the shelter of the Most High. With long life, will I satisfy him? How many have claimed that for their life? With long life, I shall be satisfied. Or does what come out of your mouth sound more like, well, we never know how long we have to live. We never know. That might be the world's answer. But that does not have to be your answer. So even adopting yourself, adapting, not adopting, adapting yourself to the word of God. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Not saying, well, how's that going to happen? Well, I don't know about that. Well, we'll just see. We'll wait and see. That's not lining yourself up with the word of God. So let it be done unto me. A thousand may fall at my right hand, 10,000 at my left, but it will not come, come near me. That means when plague and pestilence comes, when, when the arrow flies by the day or by night, it, it means it's not coming near me. It's not coming nigh my dwelling. When you stand upon that word, that means that you're claiming that for your life, for your household. You're not settling and saying, well, you never know. Well, you know, there's stuff going around. Well, you know, they say that that's that 30% of the people get it end up in the hospital or 40% end up dying or, you know, that's not our inheritance. It shall not come near me. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it shall not come near me. That's your story. That's your word. That's what you say, let it be done unto me according to your word. That's according to his word. That's what he wants for you. And just like Mary, that's the heart that we have to have, the faith that we have to have, the belief that that is the word for us as his children. So she agreed with the word. She aligned herself with that word. Now, the next thing, I'm still under the same, the, the same point, but the, I'm going through different points under the same point. So the, the, the second one, 
I don't, which I don't even think, I'm, I'm doing horrible at, at making this easy for you to write down. The first one that we went over last week, she allowed her whole life to be changed by her assignment. The second one that we're going through now, her life decisions became formed or altered by the word. Her life decisions became formed or altered by the word. So now she's, she's in this place where she gets the message and she, she's getting a word from the Lord and now she's got to adjust her life according to the word. Because now she, she just got an assignment. She got a word from the Lord. Now I've got to adjust my life. I've got to line my life up according to his word. It's not just a matter of sitting back and saying, let it be done, Lord, according to your word. You know, and I'm just going to sit here in my easy chair and just let it be done. Let it be done. You know, and just wait for it to happen. There has to be things that we line up. Now, look at, turn back to Luke and look at what she does next. Because the next part is she activated the word. She activated the word. How did she do that? Verse 39. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. Wow, what a confirmation. What a word to encourage and to strengthen. And what does Mary do? She responds with a, with a song, with a, pro, a prophetic song. And she says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed forever and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house now this is interesting how did she activate the word she receives the word from the Lord and now she says let it be done to me according to your word does she just go home kick up her feet and say okay God I'm waiting Remember last week when we talked about all of the things she would have been facing? Accusation, unfaithful living, unholy life, being the, the possibility of being stoned, the possibility of uh, someone never wanting to marry her now. 
not going into marriage with Joseph. Like all of these things would have been possibilities that she would have had to face. Being excommunicated, even if she wasn't stoned, then she's going to be shunned by society because the culture then was not our culture now. And so she had all of these things facing her, but what did she do? She got the word from the Lord that Elizabeth has also, is also carrying right now with child. She's, she's received a promise. So what did she do? She aligned herself in like faith with someone else that received a promise. With someone else that was walking the walk that she was walking carrying the word of God, carrying the assignment that had been, she also had received a promise. And as soon as Mary comes into the house, she immediately is strengthened by the word that Elizabeth speaks to her. Elizabeth doesn't come down on her and say, oh, I've been hearing some things about you, Mary. I heard that word on the street about you. She wasn't a discouragement because she was in like faith. She was in line with the word of God. So she knew the promise as well. She was walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. So she wasn't coming at it from a world standpoint. She was coming at it from a spiritual standpoint. So she was there to encourage Mary. And Mary received confirmation in her spirit. And she received strengthening in her spirit. As she's receiving that, she comes out with a song of rejoicing. And a song of joy comes out of her spirit. And then she doesn't say, oh, everybody's going to call me wicked and unholy. She says, everybody's going to call me blessed. The very opposite of what the, the society would have been dealing with her at this moment. Of the opposite of what they would have been calling her. And so Mary is aligning herself with people of like faith in the right placing herself, the right position, the right placement. And there's many ways that we can do that because whatever the call is, whatever the, that God's telling us to do, and remember last week we talked a little bit about that. We talked about, you know, yeah, there could be a calling on your life or there could be uh, a hundred things that he's telling you to do before you get to that place where, where your specific assignment is known. And so these little things that you do are, are moments of obedience, 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 obedience. And then God goes, okay, I want to release you into this. And so we, we have this, this understanding that in order for the calling, in order for, for us to activate and walk out the word of the Lord, placement is so important. Where do we place ourselves? Pastor Brad kind of talked a little bit about it this morning, you know, when he talked about isolation and talked about uh, removing ourselves or talked about, oh, I can do it on my own. I can do this. I can do that. And, and I don't need people. I don't need a voice. I don't need a counsel. I don't need wisdom, you know, from people. I'll just receive it all from God. Yes, God gives, it, gives that to us, but, but get this. If God tells us to do something and we ignore it, who's going to know? Nobody. Only you. Right? So there's nobody to be held accountable to. And it's very easy to hide under that. 
But if we have somebody alongside with us, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I'm dealing with. This is a situation. This is a decision. This is a problem. This is a, uh, what I'm facing. And these are the options that I have. What's, what is your experience with this? What is your counsel around this? What does the word of God say? When you bring someone else into the picture, and I'm not talking about just, you know, everybody. Let's take a church vote. No. <laughs> it's, it's finding people that have been where you've been, that have walked the road, that have shown themselves steadfast, that have been consistent in their spiritual disciplines in life, that you can, you can trust the counsel of God coming from them. When you do that, then you're holding someone there accountable that, that will speak up and will know like when they need to, hey, how's it going with that? Because if God may be speaking to you on it, but if you don't feel like listening at the moment and you back on, eh, you know, I'm going to ignore that for right now. Nobody's going to know any better. But if you bring it to someone's attention, I'm dealing with this, or I have this decision to make, somebody's going to be right there along with you saying, let's pray about this. Let's get the word from the Lord around this. And so it's so important that we come alongside one another. Mary was coming alongside somebody to be strengthened. The problem is when we don't want to listen to, to anybody else, that's, that's, that's a kind of a red flag. Because, well, I'm just going to do it on my own. Because then it's like, well... I, I really don't want anybody to know about this because I may not want to listen to counsel. I may want to do what I want to do anyway. It's just some experience there. But not always, but sometimes, a lot of times. A lot of times we just have been taught to do it on our own. Like, you know, I don't ask for help. I don't, I don't, uh, my family never asked for help. So that can be, that can be something too that we deal with. Because we were never taught to strengthen one another. We were never taught to uh, come into discipleship. We are a country that is very, very independent-minded. And it, yes, it brought us independence, but it also created a spirit in this country that can bring rebellion as well, where we don't come under or value wisdom and authority and as a result it's us that get held back we can stay in a place and just kind of spin our wheels because someone else that's that's maybe comes to service every single week with us may know exactly what we need but we want we, we we don't say anything about it and we'll stay right there in that place and just spin our wheels because we don't go talk to somebody about it and someone may have the answer because they've been there. They know. They've walked that walk. You know, it's interesting because I was even, uh, as worship was going on, I was thinking, and I know specifically this year, there were three different instances that I could bring to mind quickly of people that sought counsel about a situation that they had and the Lord brought them to a specific word or gave them a word. And they may have texted or messaged or talked to me and said, hey, what does, what does this specific word mean? As he passed, as many 
or as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. And then it goes into uh, verse 20. The multitude came together so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, his own people means his family. When his family heard about this, they went to seize him, to lay hold of him, for they said he's out of his mind. So you've got this issue. He's healing on the Sabbath. He's casting out demons. He's causing a ruckus. The the Pharisees and the religious people are not happy with him right now. And yeah, the common people may love him, but he is causing an issue with the pharisaical system. With the church world, it was all going very lovely until this point. And now all of a sudden, he's disrupting the whole system. Everybody's talking about them. And so his family went to lay hold of him, to seize him. So when they find him, in the end of chapter 3, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. They were coming to get him in order. Imagine that. Mary's now in a position where she's like, son, now come on now. You're causing a problem. You are, you are causing a disruption. And everybody's talking. The religious leaders are not happy with what's going on. And so that's why he didn't answer. He was not going to go out and get reprimanded for what God had called him to do. Because they were not being spiritually minded. They were walking in the flesh. They were walking by what they saw and understood and also by the pressure of society. And so when they went to seize him, to pull him out of that and like line him up and say, okay, you're, you're causing a problem here. You're giving our family, family a reputation. You're really giving us a bad name. And this is causing a, a stink throughout all of the community. And he says, who's my mother and my brothers? It's you guys that do the will of God. So yeah, in essence, it was like a slap in the face. But think of this. What did they do? What did Mary do? Well, we know the end of the story. She was there at the foot of the cross. She was there in the upper room. There was a moment in time when how we're operating what we think we know might come into question. The things that we think that we understand may not be all it. And we have to stop and say, what's going on? I might have to be corrected here. I might have to listen. I might have to humble myself. And Mary did that because now she's coming from a place where all these years she was the mother. She's raising him. She launched him, so to speak. We know it was the call of God, but you, you understand what I'm saying. It's like she, she pushed him through the door early. But now all of a sudden there's this switch that she has to make over. I must be a disciple. She has to take that mentality of John the Baptist. I must decrease so he can increase. I must learn to follow him now. I must learn to be a disciple now not a mother. That takes humbleness. 
It takes a, a, a place, a heart that's willing to say, you know what? The, this position, yes, I had. I had the position of motherhood. God gave it to me. God gave me this calling to raise him. But now I have to come under. And there are times in life when we have to do things where we have to come under in order to elevate the right thing. There are even times as pastors, people might come and complain about this or that. But you know what? We don't put, ever put our leaders under the bus with, with people. And the thing is, you, you don't... Love covers a multitude of sins. There are times when you may take the brunt so that you're covering, not covering sin, but you understand what I'm saying, that you're, you're not devaluing someone else, a Christian brother or sister, and you're, you're taking the place so that they, their reputation is not harmed. So their growth is not stunted. So they're kept in the faith. Paul talks about it when he says that don't be a stumbling block. Yes, the things that you might find freedom in, your brother may not have the revelation of. So don't be a stumbling block. And, and the food that he's not eating, even though it's been sacrificed to gods, and you know there are no other gods other than God, so that you're okay with eating this and you have the freedom of that, but they may not understand that. So they may be eating it, and for them it's sin because in their mind it is a sinful thing. So don't go over here and go ahead and have your freedom at their expense and cause them to stumble. That was a cultural thing then. That's not necessarily what we're dealing with now. Long story short, don't do something in your so-called freedom of Christianity that causes someone else to stumble because they may not understand. Do everything good and decently so that no one can come against you. Do everything that you can for the cause of Christ, not for your own right. So we've got to remain humble in our position in Christ and in our calling. Humbleness. And sometimes, just like Mary, we have that decision that we've got to make. Am I going to let pride raise up in me and go, Jesus, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> I'm your mother. I raised you. <laughs> or am I going to submit to the, the calling that he gave me and to the discipleship of the word for the cause of the greater good? Humbleness humbleness we have to stay humble because it's always going to be a tactic of the enemy to use pride i you see it in every don't think you're exempt every christian walk anyone that's been a christian in here for a long time and is humble enough to admit it we've all been there where we we go through so long of a time a year two years and then three years you know we're walking and then all of a sudden we think we know it and then we start bashing a leader. We start saying something against somebody because we think we know. And then the more we walk in life, we realize the more we don't know and how stupid we were. <laughs> and then we realize, man, that was dumb. I really should have humbled myself. That really made me look like an idiot. <laughs> but it's a tactic of the enemy. But don't let it pull you out. Don't let it make you stumble. Realize it. 
and humble yourself before God. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. You know, God requires such a constant molding. I don't know how else to, to put it. You know, so many times I just, because my mom does pottery and, and she's allowed me to, to sit on the, the wheel, you know, and so you feel, you feel as the potter that lump of clay under your hands and the forming of something and then when it goes awry and you're like oh that's not going to turn out the way I wanted it to now I've got to recreate it into something else now I have to readjust it Uh, it's not going to be quite what I wanted it to be but you know what the more that we put the 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 water of the word on that lump of clay because you constantly have to put water on it and the more that lump of clay is is moldable the easier it is for it to be formed in the master's hand but it's only through the washing of the water of the word if we don't allow the word to penetrate our heart and if we don't keep that moldable heart in the hands of the master then we won't respond. And, and we, we have to make sure that our heart is in a, in a responsive place with the Lord. That we're not in a place where we think that, yeah, I've been, I've been living as a Christian for how many ever years, or I'm teaching this, I'm teaching that. You know, even this morning's altar call, I know, How can you have a room full of people and everybody be perfect? Then nobody needs to work on anything. We have to have a we have to create a culture, a heart of repentance. Even as as we are leaders, we're not perfect. Like Pastor Brad says, we are being perfected. Every person, and I don't ever want this church to be a church that has a mindset of, oh, we're already there. Where it's a, people think, well, I'm not going to go up front because people might say this or do that or think this. No. You know what? Your, your thing may not be someone else's thing, but just because we respond to God doesn't mean it's some big, huge thing. Sometimes it's, it's a, a, a tweak of something. Sometimes he's, he's adjusting one little thing that needs adjusted in our perspective, in a stony place. But I don't want to walk back out the same way I came. I don't want this to just be a same old, same old thing. Yeah, we go to church and we hear the word and go home and just, you know, go back in or, or whatever. I want to be molded by him. I, I ask God, Lord, sift me. 
I know that sounds like a dangerous prayer, but I also know that the more that I'm sifted, the more that he gets every impurity out of me, the more effective I will be for him. And the more that I hold on to junk, the less effective. We talked about that last week, the honorable and the dishonorable vessel. The noble and ignoble vessel. How much he uses us and how he uses us is totally dependent upon how he could, how much he can purify us. And if you remember, I talked about purification a little bit last week with the gold and the silver, and how the impure uh, stuff rises to the top, and it's called dross, and the and the the craftsman takes and and swipes the top and and takes the dross, the impurities off, and takes it off. But it's only it only rises to the top as it's under or over heat. And as it's heated, the impurities rise. But here's the thing that I forgot to mention. The goal of the craftsman is to keep looking into the mirror of that gold and silver, that liquid gold and silver. And when he can see his reflection, that's when it's ready. So he'll look still cloudy. Take another scoop off. Heat it up a little bit more. Look. Oh, there's some more dross coming to the top. Scrape it off. And he keeps looking for his reflection. He's looking for his image in us. His reflection in us. It's so powerful. So powerful. It's powerheads. Father, my heart's desire for this body, for this church, is to have a heart after you. Just like you called David, a man after God's own heart, that this would be a place where men and women are after your heart that we desire to reflect the image of God. Not just to have a superficial image on the outside, but on the inside, it, there's, there's stuff that's hidden. Lord, that we would be pure. Father, I pray that you would take out. And Lord, I understand that sometimes those things come out through heat. It comes out through situations that we go through in life. It comes out through trials, trials that we face, that, that those are moments of testing. But Father, I do want to be purified for your work and for your glory. Lord, I don't want the end of my life, my eternity, to have not been as effective as it could have been. So I pray, Father, that we would be purified as a body, as a church, as individuals. And if you're here and that's not your prayer, I'm sorry, I'm praying it over the body anyway. But Father, that we would be pure vessels, that that would be our heart's desire, 
to be sanctified, to be set apart, not to just come in and hear another sermon, but to come in and be changed from glory to glory, reflecting your image. For you're our craftsman, and you're the one that's molding us. We give you full permission 